You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. It's Tuesday, the end of April. At Williamson NFL, you've reached the Locked On NFL podcast. We bring it to you daily, as is the entire Locked On Network. We are booming right now. And as I mentioned yesterday, I'm going to go division by division. Yesterday I did the AFC North because that was the one closest to home for me. I'm going to do the NFC East today. Tomorrow we're going to do the AFC East with Mark Schofield. He joins us every Wednesday. He's also the host of Locked On Patriots. But brings much, much more to the table than just Patriot Talk, as you know. Uh, spread the word. Leave me a review if you would. You guys have been a little lacking on that on iTunes. I check from time to time. But let's dig right in here to the Giants, and I urge you to check my Twitter timeline, at Williamson NFL. I just wrote an article for Big Blue View, really breaking down 1,500 words or so of my thoughts on this draft. And I'm not giving grades, because obviously teams are going to grade better if they have more picks and and pick higher and all that. And a big thing I've been stressing with the Giants is I really feel like the timing sets up really well for this to be the year to add the quarterback, the young guy. I always use the term the nest that they've built. You know, they've Manning's there to teach them. The line's better. There's a lot of friendly options and receiving options in Engram and Barkley, Tate, Shepard. I really felt like now's the time to do it. And again, I've said this many times too that I would never I'm not going to be too overly critical of any team either going up in the draft or using a high pick on a guy that they think is their franchise quarterback, which obviously the Giants do with Daniel Jones with a 6 overall pick. I just don't see him that way. To me, he's like a second round prospect, a developmental guy. And it is good that he probably won't be thrust right into the action. I mean, I I certainly he he shows some toughness in the pocket. He has good size. He's a good athlete. I don't love his accuracy, especially downfield. Um, he's not a great anticipatory thrower, which is a problem when you don't have a gun and he doesn't have a gun and he's not super accurate. You better make up for it with anticipation. I don't see that. Um, but really what worries me a lot is his footwork is very erratic and that leads to all these problems and his pocket movement, the subtle pocket movements that really take, you know, good quarterbacks and make him great. I don't see that. I mean, by all accounts, he's well liked, he's tough, he's going to put in all the work. So there is potential for him to improve, but wow, take this guy at six to me was just a little rich is all I can say. Um, I like the Lawrence pick at 17. You can argue, though, I mean, is that the biggest need on the defense? The Giants had two quality young defensive tackles and Tomlinson and Hill. I think Hill's going to be a really good player. But, you know, going back to Bill Parcells, I mean, the whole planet theory and the Giants obviously stress size and they always have. And I know there's different people picking. But this is very much a Gettleman pick. He took Vernon Butler, even though when they had two defensive tackles in place with Carolina. And Lawrence isn't just a run stuffer. He's already a pretty accomplished pocket pusher. Good versus run. you got to remember that it's important in this scheme that the defensive tackles eat up a lot of space and are a handful 
because they're going to create pressure with blitz and guys like Lawrence can make for great blitz lanes and free people up on loops and stunts and corner crashes and things like that. And their, their pass rush is more based on blitzing and putting pressure on the back end of the coverage than it is having outstanding edge players. They did add an, interest, an interesting edge guy, though, in Zimenez from Old Dominion with a 95th pick overall. He's not super strong, and I would like to see him kind of develop his body, but he's fitting the mold like the, the Georgia kid they took last year of pretty good edge benders, you know, lighter athletes on the edges with the big hog mollies in the middle, as Gettleman likes to say. Jimenez might take time, but I don't think the Giants are going to Super Bowls here anyway. But kind of the key to their draft is trading up for Baker, the corner from Georgia at 30, who they clearly thought was their number one corner. He was the first corner off the board. Julian Love in the fourth round, more of a slot guy, but really good value there. And then even Corey Ballantyne in the sixth round. Not to mention they added Peppers. They added a corner early in the supplemental draft. So all of a sudden they kind of have a wealth of young defensive backs, especially corner. And I mentioned that's really where the bread is buttered in this defense. You know, I mean, that's exactly what they want. There's some talk they could move on from Janoris Jenkins, and that would free him up to do so. But you see what they're doing on defense, and all a lot of these picks obviously reflect on James Betcher and how they're going to play defense in New York, so it makes perfect sense. Their linebackers have been very ignored, <laughs> basically, over the years. Ryan Conley in the fifth round could help that situation. And a guy to look at here as somewhat of, I don't know if I say I'm a sleeper, but someone that may pay off down the road is Darius Slayton, a, a long burner out of Auburn, who that offense was kind of dysfunctional to watch at Auburn. Fifth round pick for them. They have a lot of run-after-the-catch dudes, um, tough guys, move the chains. They lack the the edge or you know, the, the guy to take the top off. Slayton might be that, so keep an eye on him. That fifth-round pick might pay off well for the Giants. So I, I think I laid it out pretty well, and I certainly did in that article for Big Blue View, of what they're thinking here. You know, that there's, there's going to be a cornerback stress, and, they, and defensive tackle is obviously a priority in this defense. But in the end, Jones just wouldn't have been my guy. But I understand the logic behind taking the quarterback and how they address the defense. I just have some questions with if that had been the quarterback I would have taken or put my money on. I'd rather Josh Rosen. So we are going to take a quick break. I'll come back here with the Eagles in a moment. All right, Philly might be somewhat of a short one. They only had five picks, a first, two seconds, a fourth, and a fifth, and they traded up in the first for Andre Dillard. Really athletic Already a pretty accomplished pass protector, but could use some work with his fundamentals there too. Very limited in the run blocking game. And this is a perfect situation for him and the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles, when they're at their best, are one of the teams that stress great O-line play more than most. I mean, everybody loves to have it, but the Super Bowl team may have had the best line in the league. Jason Peters, to me, is probably a Hall of Famer. I mean, really hanging on now at this point. But Dillard gets to sit behind him for a year, presumably, assuming Peters can at least make it through the year, learn from a legend-type guy. 
Um, what's interesting is obviously the tackle play is very key is, is the protection. And Dillard seems to have, you know, this, a really good foundation there, especially from an athletic standpoint. But the Eagles are also a really complex running game. I mean, they're not just a straight ahead or just a plain, you know, outside zone team. They throw a lot at you. So his run blocking to me, the development of his run blocking will be really key to, to the, the, the future of this team, in my opinion. And he's certainly capable. I mean, he has all the skills you look for. Um, he has all the traits you look for. He just has to develop the, the skills and the, in the, the footwork and the punch and things like that. He just hasn't done much of it. But to trade up where they did, right ahead of Houston, I love this move for the Eagles. An aggressive front office. I often commend this unit, this group overall, and I'm going to like this draft again, too. Miles Sanders, he's a local kid here from Pittsburgh, went to Woodland Hills High School. Very, very talented. Um, one big knock that I worry about is he is a fumbler. And he also developed somewhat of a bad trait. And I think when you sit behind Saquon Barkley and you watch Barkley in a Barry Sanders-like you know, fashion break the long one or do unethical things, not unethical, unorthodox things, and, and go for the home run a little bit more because you're a super freak, you know, uh, running back like Barkley. I think Sanders could learn to just hit it up in there and take the four, four yards in a cloud of dust. Not that he's not talented. He's very talented. Maybe the most talented back in this draft, um, just physically, but he's not Saquon. So he needs to hold on to the ball. He needs to take what's given a little bit there, but he's a pretty darn good receiver already. I know they have Jordan Howard, and we've seen committee here, but I think Sanders will go past all these backs quickly as an all-around weapon if he can hold on to the ball. So the 53rd pick, you may have had, you may have found your foundational every-down running back. It might not happen right away, but for the long term, I think Sanders sets up really well to help the Eagles. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, big contested catch, can run pretty well. Seemed like a luxury to me. I like their receivers. Has a lot of Alshon Jeffrey to his game, but at the 57th pick, I mean, I think that's good value. Does he develop into a big slot by chance? Uh, he certainly has jump ball capabilities out the wazoo. I mean, he is a go-up-and-get-it guy. Um, toughness, again, he's, he runs better than you think. So I got no problem with it. I mean, it kind of shows that this front office understands, you know, pass protection, weapons that can do a lot of things. That's what wins in today's NFL. Those top three picks really show that off to us. The variety of ways to attack a defense. Uh, the last two picks, Clayton Thorson was their fifth round pick, developmental uh, quarterback. That, that, that makes sense. Uh, I know they like Sudfeld. And I don't think he'll even push Sudfeld, but maybe he's the next Sudfeld. You know what I mean? And Sharif Miller was the pick before that, an edge off, another Penn State guy from Edge, um, keep him sort of close to his college. They, they always want a rotation at the defensive line. That's very, the depth on the defensive line is very important to this team. And he'll help with that as he develops. Washington's up next, and a lot of picks three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten picks for the Redskins. And. Fortunately for them, I mean, they got to sit tight at 15 where Dwayne Haskins falls in their lap. I think he fits the system well. I think he needs to work on his pocket mobility, and I'm not sure it's ever going to be a strength. But they have a good line when healthy. They have a good scheme. And 
my hunch is he'll play sooner than later, for better or worse. But you get your guy at 15. That worked out quite well. I mean, I think a lot of us would have been a lot more critical of this front office and ownership if they traded up to five or something to get Haskins. But to get him at 15, to hold your water, to show that patience, get a potential big-time quarterback, I'm cool with that. And I like the fit with the player in the system. Uh, Montez Sweat only fell because, from what I'm told, a handful of teams, maybe more, didn't even have him on their board because of his heart condition. But he is an awfully good player. He's a better than 26 player in this draft, that's for sure. The Redskins gave up a second next year and their second this year to go get him. He obviously fills the Preston Smith role. Defense has some talent now. You know, when they traded up, though, I thought it might be for a receiver or, you know, someone along that, you know, a tight end even. You know, I didn't know think that they would go defense, but I think they just looked at Sweat and apparently their team doctors thought he was too good to pass up. And they looked at him like, he's falling. We probably have him, you know, 10th, 11th, 15th grade round, you know, 15th overall grade on the guy. They're not worried about the, the condition. So I, I would think he's an instant contributor, heck of an athlete. Yeah, it's a nice pick there, assuming the, the heart can. It's easy for me to say it's a nice pick, but if his heart's a problem, well, then I hope it all works out. Terry McLaren from Ohio, another Ohio State guy. Those two can room together. They obviously have some chemistry. Receiver was a massive need. McLaren's a downfield guy, tough, known as an exceptional special teamer. I think that's key. But I don't know that he's ever going to be a number one receiver. You know, I mean, I'm not sure there's a number one receiver on this team. Then they kind of doubled down with weapons with Bryce Love in the fourth. Um, I like Love. I thought Love was a really nice fifth, sixth round sleeper because of injuries. Maybe he even doesn't do much this year. I'm not sure that the Redskins could have afforded to do this. This isn't a ringing endorsement that they trust Chris Thompson to stay healthy. That's for sure. Um, they already have Geis. They already have Peterson as the pounders. I guess I can compliment them and say, hey, any kind of weaponry you can add to this offense makes sense. He has big playability. I like the back a lot when he's healthy. And, of course, that's kind of the caveat. Speaking of health, and I kind of alluded to it at the beginning here, I like the Redskins' offensive line quite a bit. But often injured. I mean, just seems like it's cursed. I mean, and so you use a fourth and fifth round pick on a garden center, Wes Martin and Ross Peachblocker. I can't, I always say his name wrong from Alabama, a center. So you really help the interior of that offensive line. And when healthy, your tackle situation is pretty darn good shape. So the inside of the offensive line needs the attention and certainly the depth and keep bringing these guys along. And they are going to be, you know, a power running game with Peterson and then eventually Geis, a strong up the middle, you know, offensive line. It's clearly very important. Uh, Cole Holcomb, good athlete. He could make, he might fit in at some point here at linebacker, obviously special team capabilities. And then two picks, I think there are three picks. I think are pretty interesting to round this thing out is, I was never a huge Kelvin, Kelvin Harmon fan when people were talking about him as like a second-round pick. But as a six-round pick, on a wide receiver needy team, a much different style of receiver than what they drafted earlier in this draft, sure, sign me up. I mean, it's almost like the sweat situation and the love situation. Like, I mean, hey, this guy's kind of too good to be true this late. Let's grab him. Um, Jimmy Moreland from James Madison's a corner I really have my eye on too. A feisty, productive, probably long-term slot option. Don't be shocked if he's end up playing a long time as a starting slot in this league once he gets his chance. And then Jordan Brailford from Oklahoma State's a decent edge player, too. I know they added Sweat, but in the seventh round, 
I thought this was a pretty good player. So um, it's easy to be rough on the Redskins as an organization, but this draft haul is pretty substantial, and I think they did a really good job. All right, we're going to wrap it up with the Cowboys. This is another one that isn't as in-depth because their first-round pick obviously went to you know the Raiders for Amari Cooper. Um, I th My only complaint, I guess, is I thought they would stress wide receivers and tight ends more than they did. And Tony Pollard, their fourth-round pick, running back, and he's also a great returner, by the way, is really only the the only receiving option of note in the early in, in at any point really, so they didn't do that. They focused on defense much more than I would have expected. I thought it'd be a much more pass catcher heavy draft, and again Pollard will present some of that in the fourth round, uh, while also backing up Elliott. They need that, and I guess we'll stick with the running back. They also added Mike Weber in the seventh round. He's kind of a, a well known name that I was never real fond of. But as a seventh rounder, I mean, I thought he was going to go in the fifth round, and I'd say, yeah, seventh rounder, fine. You know, there's a position there open for Dallas, and then they could use the help behind Elliott, who obviously is a workhorse and takes quite the beating. But their first pick was Tristan Hill. Really fits the mold of the upfield, Marinelli, athletic, very athletic defensive tackle from Central Florida. Um, I think he'll blitz, or I think he'll stunt and twist and gets off the ball well and really good athleticism. I think they could turn him into a really good player. So, you know, while I was saying I thought pass catchers would be high on the list, you know, this guy's been rumored to the Cowboys for a while and certainly stylistically is exactly what they look for in interior defensive linemen. Connor McGovern from Penn State was the third round pick, 90th overall. We're hearing really good things about Fredrickson coming back, which is awesome. I'm really, I think he could be a Hall of Fame type center, and that would go a really long way. But Connor Williams looks a little light in the ass, to be honest with you. And adding another interior dude like McGovern, I think, could go a long way to bringing this line, you know, if they're healthy all the way across the board, to being right back in the top of the league. And we saw how well that worked in Dak and Zeke's rookie year. So, uh, again, uh, I thought they'd be more pass-catcher heavy, but I can't fault them for either one of these big guy picks to start their draft. Then it was Pollard, who I mentioned. Michael Jackson from Miami, and then go back-to-back -back with Miami. Edge guy, Joe Jackson, and Michael Jackson. Jackson from Miami, then Jackson from Miami. Michael has a lot of ability, you know, uh, so there's a lot of moldable clay there to use. And... I mean, this Dallas defense is very homegrown and it's turned into a really good unit of draftable players. And Michael Jackson might be down the line, but you add Hill to that group. And Joe Jackson's kind of a brand name edge guy too, probably a depth depth player. But all of a sudden, I mean, you got a, a good group of young, homespun defensive talent with the Cowboys. They also had, also had Donovan Wilson in the sixth, a safety from A&M. Another brand-name guy, Jalen Jelks from Oregon, to finish their draft in the seventh. Jelks is just a really poor tester, but the production is there, so that's kind of interesting. You know, I mean, he might make the team. Obviously, special teams for those guys are going to be key. Um, I, I kind of brushed over Joe Jackson. He's a, he's a productive edge defender, too. So uh, I think Dallas did really well. It's not the approach I expected them to take, as I said, but I think they did quite well with the players they got. 
continuing to you know work on their strengths and you know that offensive line and the funnel a lot of defensive talent that fits their molds on the defensive side of the ball. So nice work to Dallas, especially if you add Amari Cooper to the mix. All of a sudden, wow, where do we, everyone be giving them an A? All the all the grades that come out. I love I hate the grades by the way. The day after the draft. People be giving them an A if you throw Amari Cooper to the top of that list. That wouldn't be so shabby, right? So that is the NFC East. Uh, like I said, tomorrow we will do the AFC East. It'll probably be a little bit longer show because I'll be going back and forth with Mark. Probably digging into the Patriots a little heavier than the other teams, but that's the way it goes. Over and out. Oh, before I over and out, I'm also, I haven't lined them up, but there will be a lot of locked on guests from around the networks in the coming weeks. And I also have a, a note for you too. I have to take my son on a field trip to a camp where there's basically no internet and leaving Monday morning, getting back Wednesday evening. So I might have one recorded in the hopper for you Sunday and probably going to record one Wednesday when I get home. But you'll probably be shorted an episode or two early next week. So just a little programming note there. Um, all right, man. Take care, everybody. Over and out.